All right, we're coming to this brand new series called Deeper, Going Deeper with God. And as we launch out into this deeper series, uh, as I was preparing, I was reminded of uh, something I heard a while back that made me chuckle. Uh, there was a little boy that uh, was asleep, and he fell out of his bed while he was sleeping, ended up on the floor. His mom comes running into his room to see what happened. And the little boy on the floor is looking up at his mom and says, I guess I stayed too close to where I got in. <laughs> and I, that kind of rung my bell a little bit when I heard this, because I'm thinking, I think a lot of Christians do the same thing. You know, we come into Christianity, we come into church, but we fail to move ahead. We fail to progress and we end up staying too close to where we came in. And, uh, and last I talked about that principle uh, at work in our lives last week at length. And if you were not here last week, you need to go online and watch or listen to that message because it's foundational to life here at Life Trip. Very, very important. I guess I stayed too close to where I got in. I'll never forget that. All right, I'm going to start this message off with kind of a diagnostic question to see who this message is for. We can understand that. So here's the question. Did anybody here have a bad attitude about anything at all this week? Don't ask again. Because I, we're going to do a little mass confession. It's going to be good for you. It's therapeutic for your soul to do this kind of stuff. I'm going to run through a few different categories. And if there is any area in which you have wrestled with your attitude this week, I, you know, we can be honest and, and raise our hand in a moment. It'll, it'll be very, very good for you. So, if you did any complaining this week at all, if you were cynical about anything this week at all, if you were critical about someone or something, if you got self-absorbed in any way, if you mishandled anger, if you even got judgmental towards someone, even like one time, did you just raise your hand up, right? Yeah. All right, now how many here? You did fine, but the person next to you is kind of a master, so you can confess to them and point to them if you want, okay? Sometimes that works, most times it doesn't. But in, in this message, we're going to look at a very, at a, really a core belief that we have, and it's this. Living a life of worship to God, you were made for that. You were made for that. Maybe you've mastered it already. But just in case you haven't, then this message is for you and for me. We're going to look at going a little bit deeper in worship, understanding it just a little bit more. I want to start by looking at a psalm this morning, a psalm that was written by someone that was struggling with attitude. It's Psalm 73. We don't know who wrote this. It's not one of the psalms that was written by David. It was one of a collection of psalms that was put together by a man by the name of Asaph. And it was written by just a member of the community, someone like you or me. Someone who was having a problem. He was pretty sure, he was pretty sure that life was ripping him off. And this is an expression of that. And it starts, he starts going off in verse 2. He says, But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He's saying, they're bad people, but life is going really, really well for them. And that bugs me. Verse 4, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. He's saying these are the, the spandex-wearing, Armani-buying, abs-flattened, Tesla-driving, surgically-enhanced, beautiful people. And I hate them. I hate those kind of people. He goes on in verse 5. They're free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. So they've got no money problem. They cashed out of the market a few weeks ago. Their careers are flourishing. 
and vacation wherever they want. They've got the good life. They're bad people, but they're living the good life. And he goes on in verse 6. Therefore, pride is their necklace, he says. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. Their tongues take possession of the earth. Say, they're smug. They're arrogant. They think they have life all figured out, and it kind of looks like they do. Everything's going their way. Every time they roll the dice, it comes up sevens, or whatever the good number is. What's the good number? Sevens? Nobody here knows. They're all holding. Verse 10. Even God's people turn to them, it says, and eagerly believe whatever they say. So he's saying, not only are they doing whatever they want, and they're getting away with it, but other people, even God's people, are getting sucked in by this. Other people kind of see them as role models in some way, because they have money and power and status and beauty. So people turn a blind eye to their character flaws, and they idolize these people. It goes on. They, and they say, God will not know, the Most High will not find out. So worse, the psalmist is saying, they openly mock God. They're not trying to obey God. They're, they're just being blatant about all that. And God doesn't seem to be doing anything about this. And then in verse 13, the cynicism just starts leaking out of the psalmist here. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands of innocence. Saying, it's bad enough that the bad guys are doing well. But listen, I've been doing really good. Where's it getting me? I mean, I've been pretty darn moral. I pay my taxes. I don't pad my expense account. I even go to church. I read the Bible. I avoid the, you know, the, the big sins. So where's the payoff? Where's the beef? You know, my life is filled with stress and problems. Anybody here ever have a thought like that? Goes on in verse 16. When I tried to understand it all, I just couldn't. It was too puzzling, too much of a riddle to me. You say, I try to figure out why life is so unfair. And I ask God, God, where are you in the midst of all this? And I get confused and frustrated and angry, and it gives me a headache to just try to figure the whole thing out. But then comes the hinge the hinge on which this whole psalm swings from death to life. Verse 17. But then one day, he's saying, it all changed. But then one day, I was brought into the sanctuary of God, and in the light of glory, my distorted perspective vanished. I love that phrase. Say those last four words with me. My distorted perspective vanished. He's saying, that was all true. Everything else good was all true until I entered worship. Then it took the focus off of myself and off of my problems, my agenda, my comparisons, my petty jealousies, my self-preoccupation, and I put my whole focus on God. And then, although nothing had changed, everything changed. Then I saw reality. Then I got sanity. Because the reality is found in verse 23. Look what it says. Yet in spite of all this, everything he's feeling, in spite of all this, you comfort me by your counsel. You draw me closer to you. You lead me with your secret wisdom. And following you brings, you brings me into your brightness and glory. That's my destiny. That's your destiny. That's the truth about where God is taking us. Starting right now. Right now. And there's, there's a great reminder in this chapter, in verse 18. Look at these words. It says, I saw that human beings apart from you have been placed on slippery ground. Say that whole verse with me. 
I saw that human beings apart from you have been placed on slippery ground. Now here's a little reminder of what slippery ground is like. Take a look at this. Right. Now, on the other hand, 
when I don't worship, I can be sure I'm going to develop some attitude problems. When I don't worship, I become anxious about tomorrow. I envy people who have what I don't have. I get the sense of entitlement that destroys gratitude. I become negative and judgmental towards other people. I get discouraged and very easily defeated by setbacks. The truth is that you and I were made to worship and we need it like we need to breathe. And we will worship intentionally or not. Everybody worships. And if you're not sure what you worship, take a look at your iCal schedule on your bank transactions. You'll get a pretty good idea of what you worship. You do worship something. We all do. Now, a lot of people don't really live with that realization because they, they define worship way too narrowly. When, when the word worship comes up, all they can picture is singing church songs. And worship is way, way more than that. It's something that you can do when you wake up, when you're taking a shower, when you're doing good work, when you're laughing with friends, when you're looking at a sunset. It's, it, it becomes a way of life. Because what I do when I worship is I direct my thoughts towards God. I immerse my attention in thoughts all about God. And then I just express my love to Him. It involves my voice as well as my mind. I'm drawn into closeness with God with my mind, my voice, and my heart. And that's worth looking at for just a minute. First of all, when I, when I worship God, I'm directing my mind towards Him and I'm focusing my thoughts and my attention on him. Um, author Dallas Willard wrote one of the greatest sentences ever written when he said this. He said, Come to love and delight in the Heavenly Father and become quite certain that there is no catch, no limit to the goodness of his intentions or his power to carry them out. That's an incredible sentence. Become certain that there's no limit to the goodness of his intentions or his power to carry them out. And that's our God. Now, to worship with my mind like that is going to involve a pretty active focusing of intentions. You've got to be aware of your thoughts. So when we come together in a place like this, when we come together, it's kind of training ground for worship. This is a worship training here. Honestly speaking, do you ever find your mind wandering during worship? Do you ever find your mind wandering during the message? I'm going to ask the question. Uh, <laughs> We have a tendency to go off on autopilot, and it can happen to anybody if we let it. Worship can just fly right by when we're on autopilot. I heard something uh, recently that made me laugh. This is actually true. There was an older liturgical church that was trying to come into the modern era because they're just decades behind. So they're finally ready to cross the line and do start doing their work and, and preparation for services on computer rather than typing every, everything up. So now all they got to do is, you know, whenever they're doing a, a service or a wedding or a funeral, they just have to, rather than having to type the whole thing up, they just kind of, you know, update the details on the whole thing. And it went just wonderful, went great until there came a Saturday when there was two different funeral services. One in the morning, one in the afternoon. First one was for a woman in the church named Mary. The second was for a, a church lady named Edna. And so for the late funeral, they just replaced the name Mary with Edna. And everything went fine until they got to the point where they recite the Apostles' Creed together. Everybody reads out loud, I believe in God Almighty in Christ Jesus, His only Son, who was born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Edna. <laughs> <laughs> Virgin Edna. 
When you worship, don't go off on autopilot. Stay present. When we're together, every moment of the service is a chance for me to bring my mind back to God. Every moment. Even when I give, I can be reminded that everything I have is a gift from God. It all comes from Him. I can, be, I can go to God openly and say, God, I want to be a giver like you. You're the most generous being in the universe. I can be thinking about God. When we greet each other, that's part of worship as well. There can be a time when I'm reminded where this is a person that Jesus loved and died for. So God, pour out your blessings on this person and this person and this person here. To, to worship God with my mind is something that ought not to just happen in the context of a worship service on Sunday. Part of growing is learning to bring my thoughts back all the time, more and more frequently, back to God, back to God, in the same way that a needle points north on a compass. Just this increasingly constant thoughts about God. We're not there yet, but we can be better tomorrow than we were today. Psalm 16 puts it this way. It says, I set the Lord continually before me. Say those words with me. I set the Lord continually before me. And I look for like real concrete ways to help me do this. So open your mind and start thinking about things that you can, that you can praise God for. The list could be endless. I mean, we can praise God for friends, for the Bible, for family members who finally come to Jesus for seedless grapes, for honest auto mechanics, or a parking space when you need one. Remembering where you parked when you need that. For forgiveness, for hope, for gentle dentists, for puppies, for preachers who say what they want to say in 25 minutes and shut the door. <laughs> We can praise God for, for home and for hope. I mean, it's just an unbelievably long list that we could create. So every moment is a chance to remind myself that there is no catch and no limit to the goodness of God and his intentions and his ability to carry them out. I mean, what an amazing thing that would be to walk through life with that kind of mental reality, that kind of God in my mind. And worship involves expressing my love to God for all of that. So I express my love to God, and I do it with authentic passion and joy, like really from the depths of my heart. There's an Old Testament story in 2 Samuel. It talks about a time when King David says he danced before the Lord. He was so passionate about God that he couldn't find any other way to express it, so it says he danced before the Lord with all of his might. And if you're familiar with that story, you'll probably also remember that his wife was not real happy about that. But you know what? God loved it. God loved it. And so you know what? It's okay. It's more than okay if you are someone who is super expressive before God in worship. We can all be a little bit more like you. There are lots of people who just take pride in knowing lots of stuff about God. You know, just lots of information in their head. might fill their minds up with information, but they've never, in worship, they've never been so moved that they actually moved. And maybe so, what God's calling you to in this deeper series 
is to be able to say something like, you know, God, to be honest, my faith is kind of been in my head. And I'm going to ask you to help it move from my head to also be in my heart. So I can become a little more heart-driven in all this. So maybe God's calling you to be a little more expressive in your worship. Just stretch a little bit. Uh, you might have noticed this. I am constantly struck by the fact that our society has no problem celebrating things that are infinitely less worthy than God. You notice, I mean, we go crazy at the craziest things. Uh, I can remember in ancient history when the Orlando Magic were relevant. <laughs> During those playoff runs, when someone would hit a three-point shot at just the right time, that arena would explode. It would just erupt with passion. I mean, it was deafening in there. Adults jumping around, high-fiving each other, hugging each other. Because of... 20-year-old kid that they've never met tossed a ball through a hoop. <laughs> so, you know, maybe what God is calling you to say is just, Lord, I'm, I'm open. I might not put my hands way up when I worship because, after all, I'm not celebrating a ball through a hoop or anything like that. <laughs> but, you know, since I am celebrating that Jesus died for my sin and saved me from hell, gave his life for me, raised from the dead, and is going to share his authority and glory with me throughout all eternity, then maybe that's kind of a lot, so maybe I'll go like this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm just saying, maybe stretch a little bit. To just a little bit past where you're comfortable. To be, to give God what is due to him. Now, we can worship God in lots of ways. With my mind, I focus on with my voice, I express my love to him. But what God really wants most of all is our heart. He wants, he wants the depth of our soul. He wants our heart. In essence, he's saying, I, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't need your offerings. I want you to know me. So just quiet down and still your soul for a few minutes and open your heart to me. I know it's difficult. It's difficult to shut off all outside stimuli, but you know what? You can do it. God says, just rest in me for a few moments. My people are so amped up with activity all the time. But if you just stop it all for a few minutes, it'll be worth it. And that's what God's saying. If you just stop it all for a few moments, it'll be worth it. Let me just wrap up with this. There was a guy that was in a grocery store with his two-year-old son. And his two-year-old son was all cranky and whiny and crying and just irritated the whole time. Kind of thing you've seen before in other people's children. But never your own. You know, I know that. Uh, but this dad is trying everything he can to calm his son down, and nothing is working. So at one point, he's walking through the aisles of the store, holding Pac-Man on the back. Calm down, Billy. Take a deep breath, Billy. You can handle this, Billy. It's going to be all right, Billy. The woman comes up and says, man, you're really, really patient with your son, Billy. So my son's name is Thomas. I'm Billy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to still our souls for a few minutes and worship the God who made us, the one who holds our life in his hands. We just need, need to make it all stop for a few moments. And if we do that, I mean, he's worthy of it. But it will center you and it will bring you some perspective that you could probably use in your life right now.
once you bow your heads and we'll pray. Friends, and come back up and really worship for a couple moments. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, for the way that you care for us, for what you do for us, who you are to us. And God, we want to remember that the primary reason why we open our mouth and worship you is because you're worthy of it. And we are yours, Lord. If we want to do what is the most natural thing for a created being to do, and that is to worship our Creator. And so, Lord, even just for the next few moments, would you receive our praise? Would you receive these expressions of our own heart, Lord, as an offering of worship to you? You're worthy of it, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Watch your stand.
let's just make it our quest uh, in this new year uh, to be people who turn our thoughts quickly to God and are quick to release our, our words of love and praise to God. Turn your thoughts to him more quickly and your words to him really more passionately. We can do that. We can all be people that are growing in worship, and that is, that is what your pastor is telling you this morning. Let me leave you with this. Go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and remember, the God who came still comes, and the God who spoke still speaks. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.